This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Atomic Blonde. What can I say except kaboom? Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, konnichiwa. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics. Jump into a mostly spoiler-free review. Then jump back into other film movie topics. This is episode 294. 294. 294. Nothing special. 294. It's going to get louder every time I say it now. I'm just saying, 294! Like, I'm just yelling. Like, I'm, I'm like, kind of calm it. right now, but then it's like, 294! Like, I'm just saying, you know, that. it's like a weird ad for, like, some kind of, like, help service or something like that. 294! Shamwell. Shamwell. 1-800-294! Let's just do this. Okay, we're not talking movies this week. We're going to come up with a fictional ad. We're doing a whole bunch of, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shamwell, Oxyclean... Yeah. Whatever we want, yeah. But, okay, we're, we're, so, for episode 294, uh, this week we're talking Atomic Blonde, the new action film starring Charlize Theron, and joining us tonight to talk Atomic Blonde, we have, from Battleship Retention, he runs so far to catch his 99 lift balloons, it's David Bax. Thanks for having me. And from Lenoir Artur, he fights the power only on Blue Mondays, it's Terrence Johnson. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Uh, Terrence always, always appreciates my intros. I always like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I always look forward to hearing how you will introduce me. <laughs> how are, is how is it, it weird that I'm? Is it weird that I'm jealous that Terrence got the Blue Monday uh, reference? It, it should be. I, 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 pur- yeah. I purposely I write one better than the other just to get the guests amped up to talk about the movies we're going to discuss. <laughs> right. Not that I, I like, mean, I'm all about Flock of Seagulls and Nina. I you know uh, much much respect, but Blue Monday is my jam. All right. That's what I do like hearing on the radio because it has such a long intro. So I'm like, I'm just getting in the zone for it. It's like, yeah, all right, let's do this. It's like, yeah, all right. Yeah, okay. Anyway, how are the two of you doing today? Good. I'm good. This is earlier than I'm used to talking to people on a Sunday. That's how we like it out now. We like to keep you fresh on your toes. Right when your brain is waking up, that's when we want you. Yeah. Get the fresh neurons, make those new connections, new, new synapse connections in the morning. We'll keep going. We can get all into neurology. I don't know All right, let's, let's move on. Here. Let's get to some show notes. First up, hey, we got an email. I did not know this until you told me. That's a, that's not even that's the this is the second email. We got one email that's a banner content center. We'll get to that. We got an actual email. I didn't know that either. I well, some of us check the emails. <laughs> I know. It's like I guess my connection to my Gmail must be off. You can, maybe, yeah, maybe you gotta look at that. But regardless, we got an email. This one's from Chris. He writes, "Hey guys, didn't want to put any spoilers on the Facebook page. Not that I think you could, but about how I saw the film uh, Dunkirk from someone half French and half British. Firstly, there is a huge amount I loved about the film. The cinematography was incredible. Score perfect. Time twists was great." I just left feeling a little deflated and wasn't sure why. So my gripes, for a film about being big to be seen on the biggest screen, I was surprised by the lack of business on the beach. If you see real photos, it was a shambles of all sorts of things being left, and I never felt That's there were... That's what I said. Hun- that yeah. is what you said, exactly, in the review. I never felt there were hundreds of thousands of troops. Also, if it wasn't for the French holding the town, this wouldn't have been able to happen and felt that it was never addressed. The rescue... That's also what I said. The rescue... <laughs> We followed the civilian boat across the channel nearly the whole way pretty much by itself with sweeping shots. Suddenly it's coming to Dunkirk with all all the others. 
and it was hundreds of civilian boats that made the crossing, and we saw maybe 20, which sort of dampened the impact. <clears throat> I will definitely watch it again as this is eye candy, and maybe these things didn't need to make an impact, but I felt they were underplayed. By the way, the podcast is awesome. Smiley face from Chris. Thanks for the smiley face, Chris. <laughs> smiley Chris, face is the best part of it. what you said. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, Abe, you did address some of these facts. And just because, and so, but, okay, so Chris is writing from being someone who's both half French and half British and very much appreciated hearing your perspective. Yeah. On I know, yeah. And Abe, I wonder you, if he's in... If he's in the UK or if he's in France, I don't know where he lives. Probably like halfway, which means so, con- which means constantly on the bullet train. <laughs> he's on the helicopter that crashed in Mission well, Impossible. In That's where he lives. He's, like, he's actually just like you know a, a U.S. citizen. <laughs> Probably we're like way overstating all of this because of that. Right. But no, good observations. I mean, again, that's uh, it's important to note that as well. And perhaps it was one of the things where Christopher Nolan maybe didn't want to use CG to put in a whole bunch of hundreds of thousands of troops or, you know, all this equipment on the beach. And he kind of wanted to be practical about it, uh, which he's known to be. Well, I, uh, I, I would argue that, and I just saw it again yesterday with my lovely girlfriend um, and my dad, we'll get to a dad's movie corner later. Um, but, um, I would argue that because of the numerous troops on the beach, the idea of having like stuff in the way, because it is a movie and not a documentary, I think there's more of a vulnerability to having nothing but just men on the beach as opposed to like things they could like hide behind or what have you. Like, like, like atmosphere. Yeah, okay. I think it I think it creates kind of a chilling mood of like there's beach, you and the sky, and suddenly the sky attacks you and you have nowhere to go but just laying down. Sounds like a Samurai Jack episode. <laughs> sky attacks you. <laughs> there's some pretty epic battles in some of the Samurai Jack episodes that can convey that kind of mood. Uh, but regardless, thank you, Chris, for that email. Um, Thank you, Chris. Good to get emails. You can email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com, um, which brings me to the next thing right here. Uh, our con- our banner contest. Um, we have There's one week left in the banner contest, and we just got a really cool entry that we'll get into, presuming uh, we'll see how things play out. But one week left for you to submit something to put on our Facebook page for our new Facebook cover uh, photo. We wanted to get something that's like fun, summary, says out and out there in an name on it, nothing explicit, uh, but kind of conveys the mood of the podcast. And if you send us something um, and we choose it to be our new Facebook cover, we'll send you a prize. And I got a cool prize. I got a pretty cool prize, uh, which I'll say out loud because we have one week left. And so if you want to enter, this will be the time. I have an all-new Blu-ray copy of Kong Skull Island. Unopened, ready to go. Ready to be shipped out to somebody within the U.S. Not in the U.S. We'll find something else to be also cool to send you, but, you know, we'll we'll figure it out. What you're saying is you've got a new DVD unsigned by Aaron and Abe to be shipped out. I don't think that would be any cheaper than sending out a new Blu-ray. So, no, that's not quite what I'm saying. Regardless, I mean, I, I'm, what I'm saying is I'm giving you permission to forge my signature. There are prizes to be had. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and I always forge your signature. How do you think I pay for all the stuff we do for this podcast? There you go. Okay. Actually, we we kind of just pay for everything ourselves. Yeah, with your money. I know you're very generous. <laughs> if you want to enter our contest, uh, outnappodcast at gmail.com or just send us something on Facebook on our Facebook page, facebook.com/outnappodcast. What else? Uh, we had a new commentary track this past month. It was for Memento. We had a lot of fun doing it, and we will have a new commentary track next month because we do them monthly, and you guys like the commentary tracks. Um, our Comic-Con bonus episode is also up. Um, I was at Comic-Con last week. I had my lovely girlfriend and a lot of the staff from Lies of Blue all available, so we all had a big roundtable discussion about what we saw at Comic-Con. That's a really fun episode, the Transformers too. there? What? Were the Transformers there? There was. Anna and I were chased by Megatron at one point during oh, Comic-Con. Okay. I'm not I'm kidding. Gone. You can find that photo on, on Instagram. It's there. <laughs> Should have did a video. What was I thinking? Was right? he was he shorter than you expected? Yeah, because he was talking. To, no, he was no. He was like a guy on stilts. Like it was a really elaborate costume. Oh, so okay. he was right. he was like eight <laughs> feet tall. 
Like, normally I exaggerate when I say he's eight feet tall. He was actually eight feet tall. I would have thought he was taller, but okay. I mean, you know, he's a Transformer, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's still he, growing. He's evil, but he's also respectful of the height requirements inside of Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Megatron to me. Exactly. Uh, last thing. Well, two things. One, episode 300. It's coming. That's right. Yep, it's coming. We've <laughs> talked about it. We'll get there. Um, but also, iTunes are user ratings. If you like the random banter we've had before we even got to our movie discussion, feel free to log into iTunes. Search for Out Now There and an Abe. Send us a star rating. That'd be cool. Write us a little written review. That'd be even cooler. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, let's let's get, let's get these guys involved here. They're just sitting here waiting for us to stop our nonsense so we can talk about movies. So let's <laughs> let's let's do that. Let's get to some know everybody. Where each week we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, and better get to know no, everybody. everybody. That was good. That was good. That was good. I like that. <laughs> uh, David, I don't think you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, or am I wrong? You are wrong. Okay. So I you, saw it. You have seen it. Yeah, I went to. Uh... Uh, a bachelor party it was like an all-day bachelor party earlier this uh in may and one of the things that was on the list look we went hiking we went drinking and we also watched guardians of the galaxy <laughs> volume two um and so i had not seen guardians of the galaxy the first one so i watched i watched it the night before the bachelor party so i'm all caught up on the guardians of the galaxy franchise well that's great because i have one question i've been asking this summer uh, Terrence, you were already on a podcast where I had this question, so I can skip you on this one. But David, which soundtrack do you prefer, Volume One or Volume Two? Oh God, um, that's really hard. Uh, that is really hard to say. Um, uh, wow. Um, I guess I'm, I'm going to have to go with wow. <laughs> I, <laughs> really stumped you. I know because there's so much good stuff on both of them, but maybe like just the fact that. Brandy is such a great song and it's such a big part of mm-hmm. it's like plot relevant uh, to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I guess I'm going to give that the edge. All right, Brandy wins it by a nose. Well, there you go. We've been I've, go. I've been I've been asking this some this question all summer, and it obviously as you as you can tell just from trying to discern which one's better, it's splitting hairs really, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's that's where Abe and I have have landed. He prefers Volume One. I prefer Volume Volume Two because I'm right. But you know, it's still it's still <laughs> nice to ask the question. You get out of here. <laughs> and if we actually did a tally, I think I'm in the lead right now as far as guests that have seen like one it. or two, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And two also has Mr. Blue Sky, which is an yep. amazing song. But one has the opening with the not not the ten CC opening, um uh the the opening titles with yep. the Come and Get Your Love, uh-huh. which I feel like is a song that like I think it's had. I, I think people are like more into that song now because of that movie. Yeah. Uh, and so now I'm now I'm making the case for for part one for volume one. It's it's too difficult. They're both they're yeah, both good soundtracks. It's, true. it's a, yeah, they're both good and and like we we had mentioned, it's kind of splitting hairs. By the way, uh, the "Come Get Your Love" thing. Every time I watch Everson Family now, I'm thinking, oh wow, this is this has the same song as <laughs> Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. See, I, uh, what I don't like because that's the that's the Bill Burr animated series on Netflix. Yeah. What bothers me about it is because I know the song so well that when it cuts, of like, because it cuts like through the song to get to a certain point, I'm like you're cheating. That's not the whole song. Like, that's my <laughs> thought. On it. Uh, I have an additional question just to yes. stay on the soundtrack uh, groove here. Uh, what's your favorite new wave jam? Mm. Wait, is that also for me? Is that for Terrence? It's for, uh, it's for everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Anything by Wham. Oh, anything by Wham? Okay. Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on what we're, uh, what the parameters of, of New Wave are, but... Um, I'm not a stickler. Talking, <laughs> head, 
Talking Heads are a top five all time favorite band for me. So uh, the the question just becomes like what what Talking Heads song I'm a big uh, let's just say Burning Down the House because that's a jam. Terrence, judging by your hair, you probably have some new wave jams that you like a lot. You honestly, I just <laughs> had to look up what new wave was. <laughs> um, but I'll I'll go with I'll go with Wham as well. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I do enjoy Blue Monday. I do think that's a that's a song that gets that that worked for me quite a bit. So, the Talking Heads is a good good call. There's a lot of good talking. Good call. Yeah. I I also am, I I'm not I'm ill-equipped to say what new wave what like if I had to define new wave I'd have some like loose terms. But as far as like you know, I'm not about to write a report on new wave. <laughs> I'm thinking about dudes with like uh, padded shoulder blazers, uh, really okay. stylish hair that's like down to like the. It's almost like a, a what you call it a mullet, but not really. So you include the look have... when you think of new wave, like you, yeah, you include the yeah. aesthetic. You're, wear, you're wearing sunglasses indoors. <laughs> I, I like heavy synthesizer play is a big part of it. I would say. Okay. Take on take on me. Jabez's band, but I couldn't remember their name. All right. Maybe you got a question. I do have a question for you guys. Do you guys have a favorite sort of uh, mini car chase? By that I mean like a small car. I'm not talking about like uh uh whatchamacallit, Jason Satham in the what what's the Transporter. movie where he's transporter stuff? Yeah, where he's driving Audis. I'm talking more like Jason Bourne in like a really small car or in this car in this case they they got the really small Alfa Romeos. Well I think the obvious answer is the Italian job, the original. I think that's the, the go to I would have for I mean those guys are driving minis. Yeah, <laughs> it's the exact answer to your question. That's a good answer. If um, everyone chose that answer, I would not be upset. <laughs> I was actually going to go with the the born identity, but um, sh- shout out to Twenty Two Jump Street and the uh, oh yeah um, they have the, uh, the golf cart the, the go kart yeah, yeah. <laughs> golf cart yeah uh, I'll go with the born identity yeah that is a good yeah. car chase like I'm not Man, they're right going now. downstairs and that's yeah. a pretty narrow stairway <laughs> yeah we we got a bump coming up as we says <laughs> we got a bump we got good a bump. thing Josh Volta's not in the car with them that'd be all bad for for what. The bump in the road. He's gonna shoot the guy in the face. Ah, okay, no, Fine. Marvin, oh, not right. the guy. <laughs> <laughs> you must have had a bump or something. Phil Lamar <laughs> shot Phil yeah, Lamar. Yeah, Phil face. Lamar from Mad TV. Um, all right, now that's how you play. No, no everybody. everybody. All right, let's move on. Let's get down to cookies. Yeah. Each looking out now. We have a movie that we talk about. What was that? Super Yeah, that's good. I, I doubled back a bit, but I'm happy with it. I'll let it play. I like. I'll let it play. Something we could easily record and always use in our stock audio, but we do every week. It's just one of our things that we do. No, we do it fresh. Do it you have fresh. to have it fresh. Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? I did. I got a chance to watch A Ghost Story. Oh, yeah? Uh, and it's, uh, it's slow, sometimes boring, lacks in character development. Kind of feels a bit long sometimes, even though it's like 93 minutes. But uh, for whatever reason, I kind of want to watch it again. And uh, don't get me wrong, I mean, I still agree with kind of everything that I said previously, but there's some type of intrigue that makes the movie worthwhile. Um, I mean, like, from a technical perspective, it's shot in 4.3, or it's presented in 4.3. Um, with rounded time, with like, rounded edges. With rounded edges, yeah, they, which become more pronounced uh, in, like, brighter shots because they're, they're dark corner it's, edges. It's like watching an Instagram filter come to life. Yeah, it's, it's almost like, you know, observing someone's life... Um, and I really enjoyed uh, the movie's transitions. By that, I mean, like, the cutaway shots and whatever else, or whenever people are just repeating things, or whenever, for example, uh, they do this a lot, like when a new family moves into the house and whatever the case, um, time just moves. Like, I guess uh, True Detective would say, uh, it's just like a flat circle. 
because you you've been there all the time and you've been doing the same thing. So it's kind of weird and it's kind of intriguing. And secondly, I like the use of the music in the movie. Um, not just not I'm not talking about the soundtrack, but I'm talking about the score because I think there's some neat ominous scoring that's going on, but within the same. Uh, scene also transitions into something lighter, and the the scene that I'm more specifically referencing is when uh, Rooney Mara is kind of moving away from the house, and the sunlight starts to come out, and then the the score gets a little bit less sad. Uh, so it it adds like a good mood to the movie. But overall, again, it's weird that sometimes I felt that it was a little bit slow, even though it's like this really deliberately p- p- paced movie, uh, shot beautifully. But uh, yeah, I, there's a lot. That makes me wonder. In any case, yeah, Terrence, that pie eating scene, pretty incredible. <laughs> well, Terrence, let's get to you. Have you seen any of their uh, movies recently? I saw The Girl with All the Gifts. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. And I thought it was very interesting up until the end. Uh, I, I can agree with that. And I also felt, you know, I've never played The Last of Us, but I hear a lot about the game and the design of the girl with all the gifts felt very much like yes oh, the really? last of us oh, yeah okay. like even down to like you know the things that they... release spores into yeah. the air um the the infection <laughs> kind of spreads mm. that was my exact so, size like when did they make a last of us movie <laughs> that didn't yeah. Last of us. so yeah it was but it was it was interesting up to that point a, a nice i don't want to give it away for people who might want to check it out um it's a pretty neat take on the the zombie movie but the ending just was a mess. I'm right here. It's. I think it's worth because I think you're saying the same. I think it's worth recommending just because it's. Yeah. There's a lot it does, interestingly enough. I would say, but yeah, I, I do. I would say like uh, the, last, the final minutes are like okay, but the rest of this is pretty good. So. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, David? What have you seen recently? Okay. Um. A uh, uh, handful of things. Um. Speaking of something that's good up until the end, uh, I, I saw Ingrid Goes West. Um which uh, I'm not sure when that actually comes out, but uh, it's an interesting movie. It's definitely uh, um, makes fun of a lot of uh, Los Angeles stereotypes, which is uh, something that needs to be done. Um, (laughs) But it does kind of, it ends on a sour like note that I feel is a little too jokey and disrespectful to the character that they've, they've built. But then uh, I also saw um, the incredible Jessica James, uh, which oh, is on okay. Netflix, which I would recommend very highly. It's a, a definitely a star-making performance from from Jessica Williams. It's it's her it's her movie. It's so much so that it like it has the feel of a movie that's like a, a writer director star like you know uh, Autora's Passion Project, but she didn't write or direct it. Um, but she is so she so takes over the movie that it that it uh it, it feels like that and also it does something that i that i like in terms of like it is i, I would say it, it generally falls under the romantic comedy uh subgenre but it it sort of rearranges the character dynamics like um in every romantic comedy the female lead has the best friend who's like a cheerleading section or whatever you know um and in this movie you get the feeling which is probably more true to real life that her relationship with her best friend played by noel wells is more important to her than the you know this new relationship with the guy she's dating chris o'dowd and uh, i really liked that uh, approach because that felt uh, more genuine and more honest and i also just i really want to mention i, I watched a, from, from a brand new movie to a very old movie i watched the 1921 swedish film the phantom carriage which is a 
uh, a Criterion Blu-ray that came out, I think, at the end of, la- like, last fall, maybe. Oh, yeah, we, we uh, all know this. We talk about The Phantom Carriage nonstop on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, but seriously, like, have you seen it? It's so great. I, I, have, I have not. I have not, but I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, it's it's about, like, the, the idea is that whoever is the last person to die before midnight, I'm guessing Swedish time, it doesn't specify. Um, it was like Gremlins then, rules. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ha, uh, has to drive, like, has to be the, the drive death's carriage for the next oh so it's like a darker version of the santa claus Uh, (laughs) yeah but it it becomes specifically about the the one guy like the one guy who who dies um at at midnight and it has this like weird sort of all over the place time structure where you see like how he got to be where he is and it's it's a really cool really really cool movie that's on blue right now uh yeah yeah criterion put it out uh i want to say last summer or last fall yeah I will look out for because that does sound intriguing, yeah. and I do. I do like the idea that Tim Allen would say, "Yeah, we based the Santa Claus on the Phantom Carriage." <laughs> <laughs> it was the idea we had in mind when we were developing this, the script for this one. Um, yeah, what happened uh, on Battleship Retention a while back? We did an episode on on Scandinavian movies, and a number of listeners were like, "Why didn't you talk about the Phantom Carriage? It's like this landmark Swedish, uh, you know, movie from 1921." And so that's why I decided to watch it. Oh, very cool. I've seen a few things, and I'll bring mention to a couple of them. One is um, I saw a few weeks ago. Actually, David, you were there too. We saw Brigsby Bear, um, mm-hmm. which came out in limited release this week. That's why I just want to mention it again. I don't have many things new to say. I think I talked about it a little bit before. I just want to mention that it is quite good. I really enjoy what it was doing as far as presenting this kind of absurd, quirky comedy with a lot of ideas going on involving bad parenting, parenting, imagination, creativity, and what have you, all without being very any any trace of cynicism which i really enjoyed about the film it's a very warm-hearted movie that could easily have characters being made fun of and being mean but it doesn't it's just very inviting to watch um so i do want to recommend it um also, can i yeah can i interject about about Briggs bear i want i want to say something that uh greg kinnear's performance is so good but it's the type of performance in the type of movie that probably won't get a lot of talk come awards time but um greg kinnear is like supporting performance of the year so far for me in it, that movie he's he, terrific I, I agree he is really good and it's the kind of performance where it's so effort it's so it's seemingly so effortless that it that, or um, it seems so effortless that it just makes you feel like he's it's hardly him trying but like there's a lot of work that goes into that kind of performance to make you feel so and in, mm-hmm. so invested in that character yeah um, i want to add um i also saw person to person this is a this is a new film it's based off a i guess there was a short film version of it too um but it uh it's an ensemble new york comedy drama Oh, that's the one with Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah and yeah. uh, Abby Jacobson from Broad City. They have like one strand of the plot line. There's another one involving mm-hmm. a, a new actor who's like a friend of the director who's in the short film named Bean Coopersmith. And I mentioned that because beyond the fact that his name is Bean Coopersmith, which is just a cool name, the guy's probably like in his 40s. He's a friend of the director. And he, I can see because he's inexperienced. He's not an actor. Like he's just like his friend threw him into a movie. And I can see why. Like he has this kind of charisma about him that really works. And I won't be surprised if he, if like this director goes on to make like bigger movies and this guy like keeps popping in and he becomes kind of a really solid character actor that you like seeing because he has this great presence in the film. But like the movie's an ensemble, it just kind of goes, it bounces around between like three or four different storylines throughout one day in New York. And it's really nice. It's, it's, it's nothing like revelatory, but it is like, it's a really well-performed, well-meaning movie that I, I think has some nice little beats in it. I know that's available on streaming currently and limited release, but yeah, it's person to person. Glad to hear that. And the, uh, the last thing I'll mention is, is a Netflix series called Ozark. Have any of you guys watched Ozark? The Jason Bateman, uh, Laura Linney. Series? And uh, Laura Linney. I yeah. haven't. I caught the pilot. Yeah. 
it's, now that's the um the uh, uh prestige drama about the sort of morally compromised every man who gets in over his head and his <laughs> um, supportive but uh um disapproving uh wife yeah it's basically that <laughs> except she's she's a little she's not necessarily supportive yeah i want you to be supportive it's okay. more that's of the twist that's yeah the twist. that's the twist yeah. <laughs> I'm, I've watched two episodes. This the, the first two are directed by Jason Bateman, by the way. It's very dark, like pitch black dark. Like there's there's no there's like no trace of like dark comedy in here. It's just like a person caught up in a terrible situation and things keep getting terrible so far. And oh. I haven't really ruled if it's good or bad yet. It's more just like I'm so surprised by just how like bleak this series seems to be so far. Um, that I'm curious where it goes. So I'll give it like another two, maybe, and then we'll see if I want to finish. Like, it's only 10 episodes, but still, they're hour long and they're not exactly fun to, to watch so far. But, like, <laughs> but like, so the, like, it feels like the first episode, Terrence, see if you agree with me on this. It feels like I just jumped into Breaking Bad season four with like no context for the rest of the characters. Yeah, it, you very much are literally just thrown into a story, and then by the end, it's like, well, they're moving to the Ozarks. Yeah, and it's like, like I feel if if I had three seasons of knowing Jason Bateman's character, I'd be like, okay, I get this. But like, it's like, wow, this got intense real quickly. <laughs> like that's yeah, how kind of place. So um, yeah, as I said, I, it's 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 hard for me to discern if I'm like, hmm, should I keep up with this when there's so many things out there right now to watch? Um, but yeah, that's kind of kind of my takeaway in Ozark right now, which is on. Netflix. Well, Shout Factory just sent me the Teen Wolf two Blu-ray review, <laughs> so I think I'll look I'll look elsewhere for my Jason Bateman fix. <laughs> There's some good features on that. You can find that review over at wisethelue.com by Brandon Peters. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. That's on now, Quickies. Yeah. Let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, what we thought of it, what it's coming out, and what have you. And this week we're talking Proud Mary. This is I'm going to read the IMDb description of this because the trailer is a lot of it's a lot of sound and a lot of mood, but it doesn't really lay out an exact plot, which is not a terrible thing. But it, it says, uh, Taraji P. Henson is Mary, a hit woman working for an organized crime family in Boston whose life is completely turned around when she meets a young boy whose paths he crosses when a professional hit goes bad. So basically a standard assassin, you know, action drama um, with Taraji P. Henson as said assassin this time around. Uh, Terrence, what do you think of the trailer for Proud Mary? Um, I liked it a lot. I'm glad that they are leaning full into, you know, the Tina Turner-ness of the title. <laughs> it was great to have. That is sort of a, and it's on the poster as well. And, you know, I'm always here for Taraji P. Henson. And Billy Brown uh, from How to Get Away with Murder is in the movie as well. So it looks, it looks fun. I'm surprised it's coming out in January, but it looks like a fun movie. I think it's going for that take in money. Like, you know, that kind of like, uh, that's it, yeah. like a, you know, around the awards releases that are out in theaters, you can get, yeah. like, here's a, here's a genre action movie that can like, and plus it's, you know, a black audience will flock to it as well. Yeah. Like, it could be like a. This is the only good movie you'll see for a while. That's not movie. like something that's up for a bunch of awards or whatnot. Yeah. yeah. David, how about you? What do you think of the trailer for Proud Mary? Uh, I'm 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 excited. Um, I'm glad that we're, uh, you. I mean, yeah, we're in this sort of. We're about to talk about one of the the movies, but there seems to be this new, uh, a, a, a new wave of um, not new wave like you know, uh, you know, Blondie and Flock of Seagulls <laughs> and all that, but a new wave of these like sort of star driven but like r-rated action like movies uh you know like your john wicks and your atomic blondes um i'm hoping this fits into that um because i'm very into these movies as we'll talk about uh in a few minutes probably it's been a couple days since i watched the trailer but 
the song is you know that the title title comes from is in the trailer and it's like the song it's not like a super slowed down version of it which is what yeah. every other trailer has now you know um like even uh, atomic blonde has the health uh cover of of uh, blue monday right yeah. it's like uh, at, at like one eight speed or something it's ridiculous as much as i like health um if i have any reservations though uh to to compare like the Proud Mary trailer to the Atomic Blonde trailer. There's not actually that much a- much action in the Proud Mary trailer, so it makes me worry that they don't have as much to show off. Like I'd like to think, like, oh, they're saving the best stuff for the the movie, but I also know that's not how people who make trailers think. Um, and, and so it makes you, you know, it makes me worry that maybe there's not uh, as much action as I'm going to want. I would say because it's, it's, it's more of a more or less a teaser. So it's kind of setting you up. That's that Taraji B. Henson is the one that you're following. And then like later trailer, because they're like, there's like some flashes of like gunshot, gunshot. But even then it's also yeah. like, it's and a black, it's a black exploitation like, movie, essentially. Like right, it's a modern right, one, yeah, so right. I, which don't tend to have a ton of action. They're more about like, you know, characters walk around saying i'm gonna get you sugar and then like <laughs> going like right. that kind of like so maybe that, this is just me projecting that i want this to be taraji p henson's john wick and that's not necessarily <laughs> what it's gonna be but you do get her like at the end of the trailer where she's like sliding across the floor and uh yeah. taking out dudes that's very cool and uh, i'll go next just because I, I i agree yeah. i do think there's it's a cool trailer like i think it, and it sets it sets up well what it's doing, and I and I I I like the idea of this this kind of modern black exploitation if that's what it's really going for. Based off the poster and the trailer, I hope that it's not misselling it, but I do think it kind of has that vibe as far as basically making like a female Shaft type movie. I will note that the film is from director Babak Najafi, who directed London Has Fallen, a movie I really hated. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was one of my worst of last year. Yes, um, but it's also from the it's the guy that did um, these the uh, one of the Easy Money movies. These are these um, I think Scandinavian movies. Actually, come to think of it, with uh, Joel Kinnaman before he came to America, and you know did, did bad movies here. <laughs> so, people, I mean, people, yeah, I was getting bad. People were saying who? Yeah, it's more like this is this is surprisingly <laughs> this is surprisingly not from the Luc Besson school of action movies, which kind of is like oh that's okay. So they're just like they're making a thing. And it's not based off some, like, random series of books either. So it's like, okay, they just wanted to give Taraji P. Henson an action movie to be a part of. And uh, based off the trailer, it just looked like, okay, she's just being cool and being an assassin. And there's some kid that gets involved, apparently. So it's like a standard plot, but I I, I hope it's enjoyable. I saw I saw a flash of Danny Glover in there, so that's always fun. <laughs> you know? yeah. How about you, Abe? What do you think? Yeah, it certainly got the, the vibe of uh, modern-day black exploitation movies as well. And that, that largely came from, sure, the trailer and also the font that they're using for the Proud Mary. But but really, from when I saw the gunshot animation action, I was like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> so, for the most part, it looks fun. I mean, it looks like it's an interesting romp as well. But um, I certainly uh, want to to see how far it goes. So, I'll, I'll be happy to check it out. Proud Mary, as Terrence, you mentioned, opens in January, January 12th next year so uh coming out early in the in the 2018 uh, all right let's uh let's move on now guys let's get to our main film review for atomic blonde lorraine broughton an expert in escape and evasion provisioned in intelligence collection let's have the crack shall we and hand-to-hand combat it's an impressive set of skills. Talents can be overrated. Lorraine, how well do you know James Gascoigne? Enough to say hello. He's dead. That should have been some of the trailer for 
Atomic Blonde. This action spy thriller is based on, on a comic, The Coldest City. It is set in 1989, spanning the days surrounding the collapse of the Berlin Wall. Charlie Theron is Lorraine Broughton, a tough MI6 spy who has been sent to Berlin to locate a list of undercover agents that is now out in the open. She must also unmask those responsible, which leads her to James McAvoy's David Percival, a station chief she must become allies with while attempting to deal with potential threats in her way. The film was directed by David Leach, co-director of John Wick and the director of the upcoming Deadpool sequel. Additionally, Theron not only stars but serves as a producer with intentions to most likely continue on with this character if audiences respond favorably based off the box office this weekend. Number four, 18 million. Could have legs, we'll see. Uh, but with all that in mind, Terrence, did you respond favorably to uh, this new action star? I did not. You're starting. To, we're going to start off on a, on a low here. <laughs> <laughs> Completely <laughs> fine with me. Um, yeah, I didn't. I. You mentioned that it's based off something called The Coldest City, and the filmmaking very much left me cold. Um, <laughs> despite, you know, I thought Charlize and, and James were really, really good, but just something about it was keeping me at like this this arm's distance. I was not a fan of how they structured it. The last 20 minutes, though, were pretty interesting. And I say that in, in, a, in a good way. So, like, it ended on a good note, but everything before that kind of just had me bored. So, yeah. All right. Okay. David, how about you? What do you think of Atomic Blonde? Uh, the opposite of everything that Terrence said, except the last 20 minutes are awesome because the entire movie is awesome. It's serious that I'm, like, a week removed almost now from having seen it, and I, I think it's one of my favorite movies of the year so far because... I, I don't know. I, I want to ask uh, Terrence, do you like the films of Nicholas Vinding Refn? Uh, do you find no. those boring? Okay. Well, then maybe that's maybe there is some consistency there, at least, because yes. that's, that's how I that's I, and that's part of it is I wasn't expecting that. Like, I, I think uh, I, I mean, I, I don't want to, like, belabor the John Wick comparison, but I was kind of expecting a John Wick. And in in in, in some ways I got that, except uh, in terms of that it has the sort of deliberate pacing and like a couple of or a handful of uh, really huge action set pieces that are filmed and choreographed similar similarly to John Wick. But John Wick is a very emotional movie in that it has an emotional uh, motivation. You know, it has the, the, the his late wife and they, they kill his dog and they take his car. Atomic Blonde, uh, again, going back to Coldest City, is uh, almost basking in the fact that she's uh and like uh it, 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 like uh, completely unemotional i'm trying to think of there what is is there can you can you be a emotional like you could be a moral like i feel like that's how she is she's like <laughs> yeah. uh, um uh and, and i think that um was a surprising surprising choice um but it made me think uh less about the the character i don't think i don't think the character lorraine is particularly interesting and that sounds like a um uh a, a dig but i don't think that's what the movie is about i think uh it, it's about um you know why uh, why did they set it where and when they they said it because the movie isn't actually saying anything about communism or capitalism i don't think or or, or you know oppression or freedom or anything like that i think they de deliberately set the story uh in a place in time and place that is completely chaotic uh, and that's to me, that's where the dynamism, the dynamic uh, uh, elements come in, not from the character being particularly dynamic, because, again, 
the movie goes out of its way to flaunt how undynamic she is because she barely even has, even when she's, you know, whether, whether she, especially in, in dialogue scenes, she shows almost no emotion at all. She, she remains measured and cool. And yet everything around her is going completely insane. And that, that, that was my way in to the movie is it, uh, is it became about, uh, a, a look at different ways of navigating chaos. You know, she keeps her cool and tries to remain true to whatever her mission is. Whereas, uh, her foil, David Percival played by, uh, James McAvoy is his response to the chaos is to change and, and adapt and roll with the punches and, and ride the waves. And, uh, I think the movie actually does, uh, even though he's, you know, more, uh, you know, she's the lead. So obviously the movie, favors her her point of view but i think it makes a good case for his point of view especially in his speech near the end i'm hoping this is within the section that terrence liked that his speech then ends with him saying i i fucking love berlin um which is one of my favorite parts of the of the whole movie uh i i i found that that sort of survey of chaos and the ways to 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 adapt or not adapt to it in the midst of this incredibly uh, lush uh, production design and, and cinematography, and oh yeah, how could I forget the incredible action sequences? They're <laughs> so great, uh, and um, that—that's the one time you uh, you actually do get to see Lorraine sort of uh, drop her cool because it, because these are action scenes where, uh, unlike John Wick, to keep making the comparison, like you really do see the toll that it takes on her. You know, by the end of there's the one that's. Uh, the, the one that everyone will be talking about when they talk about the action sequences, which is, you know, uh, through down stairwells and into apartments in this in this apartment building. Uh, by the end of it, she and the other guy are just like barely able to hold themselves up under their own weight. And, and that was it, it, that was so cool uh, to me to see. Uh, and um, it's also yeah, and they're also pretty, pretty brutal. My, my wife watched a lot of it through, you know, through her fingers because it gets it gets pretty violent. Uh I've gone on too long, but that's uh, an over- <laughs> that's an overview of all the things that I loved about Atomic Blonde. Nice. Well, Abe, what what do you think of the film? Uh, I think this might be the runner for uh, best soundtrack of the year. But with that being said, though, similar to what uh, David was saying, uh, I was kind of going in here with the John Wick sort of sentimentality, mostly because it's it's directed by one of the co-directors of John Wick, uh, David Leach, Leitch. And so I was kind of expecting a similar structure to John Wick. And Atomic Blonde kind of goes full into the action without much fanfare, you know, to set you up. Um, it does sprinkle it in uh, every now and again, which I think that uh, I get, I can definitely get what Terrence is saying, where it kind of maybe takes away from the the uh, the flow of the movie. But it knows what kind of movies it it knows what kind of movie it is, and it's completely self contained and moves quickly. So uh, if you've seen the trailer, then you kind of know what you're expecting, um, and that's what I got here. I think that the action scenes are shot well, and I thought that they were choreographed well. Uh, you can really see what's going on, and there was actually one double cut that I really really appreciated that involves a skateboard that really makes you feel uh, something. Um, which you don't really see a lot of, except for like maybe Hong Kong action movies. I think the pacing is pretty good. Uh, again, it starts and it goes, and there's a few expectations uh, about what you're going to be seeing. Nothing really overly complex about the script, except when it gets complex, uh, which is one of the things that that I can be really, uh, I guess, 
difficult for a viewer because there's all these like I guess uh, plot phrase and it kind of sort of splits off sometimes into subplots, but it eventually gets back on track. But certainly that's kind of what keeps it from being I guess perfect because it kind of just interludes uh, constantly throughout the movie. So. Um, while I, I kept up with it and I thought it was okay, I can definitely see where it would be a disadvantage for some people. And while all the performances were very good in the movie, uh, especially from Charlize Theron being, like what David mentioned, very stone cold, uh, James McAvoy, I love that James McAvoy, whenever he's doing these like really crazy roles, and it kind of makes you think about the movie Filth, and even like some scenes from Wanted, where he's just like going kind of crazy and i love james mcavoy because he's he seems like a pretty funny dude in his interviews and whatever else but um i just like whenever actors can kind of let themselves go and let and do these like wild and crazy roles uh he's kind of like playing this like this cavalier guy um but shout out to james mcavoy but overall i think it's a summer it's a solid summer movie I think it's a quick, quick to set up and quick to take down, and it's pretty fun throughout with uh, performances from a solid cast. I uh, I didn't think it was a pretty fun solid summer movie. Um, How dare I, you! I I was down on this one quite a bit. I think it. I do think that the main problems for me were pacing and structure. I I don't think it's very well paced. I think it kind of starts and stops, and I think the structure, like Terrence, you mentioned, I think having the kind of narrative device they're using to tell the story just removes me from the scenario because it just. I get, I know where it's going at that point. Not that I think that like Charlize Theron's gonna, you know, die in this movie, but at the same time, there's a lack of suspense I have throughout it because I know she's gonna be able to tell this story later on. And I mean, that's that may be a basic thing, but at the same, it's just having that as the the way you're unfolding this tale just kept me kept me away from things. I mean, you're mentioning it being cold, and yeah, it, it is cold. It's like it's a cold film, and. I could, David, I can get behind what you're saying as far as like embracing the chaos or whatnot, but I just, I wasn't engaged enough by the film, despite how much effort it put into being as cool as possible with all the neon and all the, you know, the various directorial eccentricities to kind of make it this unique looking film as far as bringing like a comic book to life. Like that's certainly what it was going for, but it never really, it, it was struggling to hold my attention. Like I, I, I don't like to say I'm bored by the film, but I, I you know, kind of was watching this. I kept waiting for something more to emerge where, again, as you mentioned with this chaos aspect, it's like, yeah, that's a cool idea, but I wish I could have seen that more and what it was kind of putting out there. And instead I have, you know, a character I can't really connect to because she's very, you know, unengaged by anything beyond maybe like a a thought that her her boyfriend, it seems, or like a friend of hers was killed at the beginning of the movie and just like kind of minor relationships she builds through the movie they they kind of keep her involved but like the movie doesn't really give me much to latch onto and i can i can appreciate that if it's going to be just about kind of a a mood and the kind of setting it's in but the movie's not it's not falling through for me the action sequences i mean the the ones throughout are good the main centerpiece one that as said will have everyone talking the giant long take it's not even, i mean just a lot of the obviously a lot of cuts or whatnot but the, you know the the incredibly long action sequence that goes up and down stairs and into a car chase. Not like that's really well done. It's a great action sequence. It's one that will hold up. Uh, no doubt. I have no question about that, but just the movie around it, I was less engaged by. And by the end of it, I felt everything was pretty inconsequential. It, it, like, I don't need a, what did we learn moment, but at the same time, it's like, what was really accomplished by the end of this movie? And I don't know much. I mean, the, it gives you a pretty standard plot to work with as far as like there's you know undercover agents are at risk i've seen that a lot okay it's 
not a bad thing to have a, you know a spy movie repeat things that are generally in spy movies but i just didn't get a lot out of it overall so it, mm-hmm. uh, that with the and the yeah, if you mentioned the soundtrack it's yeah there are a lot of songs that i'm familiar with and that i mostly like but it seemed very on the nose in a way where it really started to get to me it, mm-hmm. almost in like a suicide squad passion where it's like yep okay london's Ugh. calling uh, uh, I ran Never so far away, like, but I know what you mean. It just, well, just it's like it's hitting every like obvious soundtrack choice of this kind of movie. Like, there's some that are pretty clever. There's one George Michael track that they use. It's pretty clever. That's exactly yeah. when you said obvious choices. I was like, really, you expected to see this uh, crazy like rope foo action uh, sequence set to Father Figure? They're, yeah, they're uh, not. They're they're not all, but like for a lot of it, it's like okay. It also it just comes with like hearing so much like the soundtrack's amazing like it's like okay like I get yeah all right there's songs there that I know like it just that that's the kind of a way it hit me uh, compared to some other I mean Baby Driver and um, Guardians like it's like those had some really soundtracks that had some really creative choices in there but yeah so no I was just Baby was, Driver this is the third then yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was yeah I was just kind of mad on the film overall yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. I I, I want to take it like I don't need I don't need the songs to surprise me. I just need them to work. <laughs> it's not about a surprise. It's just when they're. It's like how many times am I going to hear "London's Calling" in a movie at this point? Like, and I love "London's Calling." It's a great song, but it's like it just the way it comes up here or the just certain ones just kind of got to me. in a mainly because the movie was already kind of like all right. I I wish I could connect to this more, but I'm not, and mm-hmm. so that it's like it's bludgeoning me with some. Choices that just kind of felt all right. Yeah, that that's one that you made also. Yeah, interesting. Terrence, yeah. what were you gonna say? I well, to the to the point about the music. I think one thing that threw me was sort of you know this movie. I feel like this movie has been marketed to me for a year, and I'm, and that Kanye song was so stuck in my head. Yeah, that head I, yeah. George Michael. I was like, oh, this is a little, like it's funny, but then it's like it's a little less than seeing her, you know, beat people up to black skinhead. Um, but I thought that, you know, structurally, I wasn't necessarily a fan of them keep going back to her interrogation. Right, right. Because, like, it would keep, I think that's what maybe got me bored because I was just like, oh, I just know that, you know, every 15 or so minutes, what I'm watching is going to be broken up by something else. Um, yeah. It was like every time I was leaning into the movie, it was like shoving me right back. Uh, but it's it's funny to hear people talk about the, the action sequences. I actually did not care for the single take because I felt like it made me too aware that I was watching a movie mm-hmm. um, because it was like, all right, we've got to, we got to pan down to the gun and then we got to, you know, come up here and get her face and then we're going to move this way. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it made me so, I, I loved the brutality of it, but I was just like, okay, you were cutting into all of your other action sequences that might've been cooler to do in single takes to then just be like, okay, I'm going to show off my, you know, directorial flourish here when, and so it was just sort of, I I don't, I don't like being made aware of the camera. Like I always know I'm watching a movie when I'm watching a movie. I just don't like to be made aware of like, oh, we're getting ready to do this now. And we're going to do a whip pan here so we can hide the actual cut. (laughs) You know, Um, the, the car chase portion of it, that works very well it reminded me very much of children of men in a in a weird way um, that whole sequence i would say reminded me of children mm, of men as yeah. far as the, because because it, i mean you want to talk about chaos david that's what felt like chaos to me where it's like she's taking on like these it's not even that many people it's just it's the body sustaining so much damage so it's not just her that's getting hit but everybody 
getting hit and they're like they're just tired at the end of it and that's what i could love to see more in action movies where people are not just like you know getting beat up or what have you but they're also just tired from the situation they're involved in yeah, it's like, yeah. i gotta keep doing this and i i get what you're saying Terrence. it's like it kind of draws you out as far as you under you get what the movie's doing so it it makes it less cinematic i guess but i i'm more admiring the you know the technical work being done to kind of put all this into one sustained sequence i guess it, it just i'm more impressed that they're trying to make this work than thinking about you know where the camera is at any time yeah so i i also want to say that while i appreciated the choreography and i appreciated the action sequences about how visually i could see what's going on i agree with you terrence that i wasn't really blown away by it per se you know i again i had seen uh, john wick and john wick 2 and again this guy is like a stunt coordinator or he was a stunt coordinator previously and then he moved into other aspects of filmmaking so i i'm kind of expecting it to be you know, looking pretty cool or kind of, I guess, uh, clean. So yeah, when I saw the, the action sequences, yeah, I wasn't really crazy impressed by that whole entire last building action sequence either. I wasn't really impressed by the, uh, the rope foo either. Uh, it was just more like, Oh, this is a really cool concept, but, um, it just proceeds to further itself, uh, proceeds to further the plot. And what I mean by that is that, I can see, again, where people can get tripped up with the plot because, yeah, it does take you out of some of the uh, the action sequences or it kind of takes you out of the whole entire uh, narrative of the movie if you're, if you're constantly cutting back to, like, three men in a room and one behind a glass and then Charlie's Theron, right? Um, and that kind of gets really annoying. But at the same time, I think that that helps to build up some of the intrigue into the last uh, few minutes of the movie because... At that point, I was like, oh, I wonder what's going on here. Because, um, yeah, how many times have we seen a spy movie where, oh, there's a list with all the intelligence uh, uh, intelligence operatives in the world uh, with their real names printed on it. We've got to go and save it. I think we've seen that many times. But I think that what they do with this movie can be intrigued uh, until the end. Well, so we're, we're, we're knocking on the tropes. I get that. So, David, why don't you go in more into like, what, what makes it stand out? Because I think we're obviously we're listing things that you know, are, are things you can, you can, you know, say about a lot of movies in general, and whether, regardless of whether or not you were engaged or not engaged by it, but you, you're speaking to something else, I guess, as far as, like, the mood or, like, the, how it, the setting and what it's involved with? Uh, definitely mood, and that's why I, I don't mind at all those, um, the, 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 the cuts back to the, um, to the framing device, to the, the, the interrogation or the debriefing or whatever, it kind of felt like, uh, you know, when you're at a rave all night and every once in a while you got to hit the chill room, just, you know, that's uh, <laughs> Abe knows a lot about raves. He's, yeah, I was, like, I was yeah. like, you know, I don't really go to a lot of raves, but I know exactly what he you He knows mean. the chill room. That's his thing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what those sequences uh, felt like to me. Um, so that that worked. I don't uh, I, I, I a lot of this just has to come down to I clearly have a different uh expectation out of movies than some of you guys. Well, because, you, I like, mean, you mentioned I don't the... mind at all, you know seeing the camera like knowing what the camera is doing and understanding like i came to see a movie like i, I you know i i don't mind it showing off uh, a little bit as long as it's not uh you know derivative or hollow and i guess you guys could say you know you could argue that it, that it is I, I didn't i didn't feel like that to me it felt like especially in those sequences we're talking about the the, the cinematography and, and the choice to do that one in a quote-unquote single take that's clearly not but uh, it all served. Like, with the real star there is the the fight choreography, the stunt choreography. That's the you know that's where David Leach or Leitch or whatever uh, comes from. And so that so 
you know, I, I don't mind the, the camera being obvious because it's there serving the master of the, the, the choreography and, and the, um, the, the, the fight choreography has things that made me like gasp. A couple of made me laugh out loud in a good way because I was just like, I can't believe like, uh, <laughs> you know, I laughed at John Wick too when he when he runs out of bullets and throws the gun in the guy's face. Yep. In, in in this movie, someone throws an entire bag of guns at her, yeah. uh, which I laughed out loud at. But I uh, uh, I, I I I love that stuff. As far as the plot, you guys, uh, that's one thing I I can't disagree with you. Like I was watching the movie for the first half, I was like, this plot is dumb, and I've seen it before. You know, like the. Yeah, the 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 list of every active agent is like the go-to MacGuffin for every spy movie, and so uh, so I was like, yeah, this is dumb. And then like when it got more twisty and turny, I was like, okay, this is still dumb, but um, it's uh, you know at least I'm having I'm having fun with it. Um, so I, I guess plot, you know, I mean, certain movies are about their plots. And to this, to me, Atomic Blonde. A plot. The plot is like maybe sixth or seventh on the list of most important things about the movie. So uh, I, I don't care. It's just uh, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a fun little uh, frame to hang all the rest of the delightful ornaments on. You mentioned mm-hmm. um, Nicholas Winding Refn as kind of like an influence or whatnot, as you know, something that you can call to as far as relating the two films. And I I see that there. I see what you're saying, especially just given the you know the use of color in the film and and. And and the and the pacing, like we're talking, you know, and I, the pacing. I, it, yes, the movie was in between fight scenes. And this is something you guys are saying as a complaint, but in between fight scenes, the movie was way slower than I expected it to be, and I mean that in a good way. Like I, I really found that sort of uh, luxuriating in, in its in its atmosphere, uh, really pleasant. And I'm I'm hot and cold on Refn. Like sometimes it like hits it right, sometimes it doesn't work as well for me. But I but I do like right. admire this kind of filmmaking craft. I do think there's something in the way he stages scenes, the way he's just framing people and the, the, his use of color and production design to kind of make things work in the way they do and yeah pacing is obviously a thing there something like was it only only god forgives is that, is that the right one? yeah that, that's yeah. all with the that's his, like his follow-up from uh drive yeah yeah my, my um, favorite nicholas sitting movie, movie which is not surprising to me based on the reaction to this movie <laughs> like that well, makes I complete sense i couldn't tell if you're being serious there i really could not <laughs> um, yeah it is i but, could not that's my uh Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I see where you're coming from with that. And I, I you know, it, this kind of hit me in the same way that that movie did, where it's like, all right, like it's doing a lot of stuff and it's certainly visually engaging. I mean, it's showing this kind of the use of Berlin or whatever set they used to make Berlin come to life. It looks good. Like in like the use of Neo, like it, it does have this coming from a graphic novel. It does feel like it's making an attempt to bring a graphic novel to life. And I can admire that. It's just the regardless of story or character or what have you i just want to be you know engaged in some way by the movie and i'm, I'm right. no i i i made this comparison in my, in my review like i i saw something like tinker tailor soldier spy a movie that's much slower than this movie well, that, that's yeah that's like a, like a like a pretty cut and dry like spy movie it's very slow but i but i was yeah. far more engaged by what was going on in that film than this one and you know the plot's not all that unique either in that film it's just the way le Carre kind of writes things and the way thomas alfredson like he's shooting that film it just it worked for me so it's like i i don't know i just wasn't like the the mood of this film just didn't connect in the way that you know clearly it, it had for you well, it's well, kind of don't get me, me wrong. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is better than Atomic Bomb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, say, I want to agree yeah, with you on that. It's like a legit good spy movie. Uh, but I, I think uh, I, I acknowledge all of your 
you and Terrence's um, deficiencies of the movie. It's just I think I had a pretty pretty okay summer movie experience time with this movie. So, obviously, that's great. Like I'm not discounting the fact you enjoyed yeah, yeah. the movie. Just but, like, yeah, what I'm, yeah, but what I'm saying is like I definitely see that there's a lot of like uh, issues with the movie. It's not perfect at all, but. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I had a good rhyme. All right, I had a good rump. And we haven't talked about the uh, the rest of the cast in the movie, by the way. Like, you by the way, yeah, yeah I, I do want to mention uh, just very briefly, since you mentioned the cast, that yeah, when when McAvoy is looking straight into the camera, giving his little monologue, pretty great. Um, but yeah, no. Um, See, I thought I, I thought McAvoy was okay in this movie, mainly because I'm still writing off of how good he was in Split. I think where I'm like, okay, he's here now and he's doing this thing, but like I, I feel like I. <laughs> I've seen a better version of McAvoy. Like he's fine. Like he's doing what he needs to do. Just, I was I wasn't taken aback by McAvoy. This I, time I don't you think know? it's like Academy oh. Award winning performance, but I like when he kind of were when people can can kind of go a little bit more. Oh, for sure. I like that. Role. I like that he's you know playing it pretty bonkers in this movie. Yeah. But, um... Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know the uh, maybe everybody knows this. Speaking of Split, like the reason his character has a cast in this movie is because James McAvoy broke his hand making Split and showed up to this with a broken hand. And oh, so yeah. they yeah, I read about didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, uh... <laughs> it worked for the character. It does. It works. It does, yeah, it does it seem like guys like... Pretty yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> um, I mean, you have, like... You all talk about thankless roles. You have John Goodman, Eddie Marzan, and um, and uh, Toby Jones here. They're all doing their yeah. thing. Like, they're, they, it's the kind of... I mean, we... It, it's easy to talk about a lack of character, but those are the kind of guys, even Theron and McAvoy, like, they don't have to do much to get you to understand who they are, which is something I always appreciate in a film where you don't have to, like, lay acquisition on this. Like, John Goodman was a five-star, like, you know, you don't, you don't need to go into, like, what his backstory yeah, is. Like, it's John Goodman. Throw, I get like, it. If they He's did a on John Goodman, listed his credentials from the CAA, I'd be yeah. like, okay, this is a little bit much. It's the, it's the, it's the, you know, it's the, it's the gift of a character actor where you can just kind of be, be here and, like, you get it already. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, very good roles. Eddie Marzan, I thought he was gonna have a larger role, but it's okay. A little, I mean, a little Eddie Marzan goes a long way. I'm always happy to see Eddie <laughs> Marzan. <laughs> um, I liked Sophia Batella. I also really liked uh, Pennywise the Clown. What's his name? Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård. That's right. He pops yeah. in with his 80s. He hair. did a lot with a did a lot with a small role. Everyone when has I saw him hair. without makeup, I was like, oh, God, I, I'm scared. Yeah, when he offered her a balloon, it was a little frightening. But, you know, besides yeah. that, it's it working well. I mean, he's wearing yellow the first time they meet. It's like, it's, it's not very, it's not very, uh, it's kind of spooky. When he when he appears behind the tree and just starts waving at people, I was like, okay, this is a little much. Wait, there's enough jokes about this. <laughs> Any other thoughts on uh, Atomic Blonde? Go no. see it. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, I mean... Well, well let's, get, let's get to that. Reading. When should people go and see this movie? Let's start with David. When, when should people see this movie? Oh, okay. Um, uh, well, I want it to be a franchise, so I say selfishly for me, go see it in the theater. But um, also you could, I mean, you could see it on Blu-ray. It's probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> Abe? Yeah, I, I, uh, I'd say Dollar Theater. Terrence? Oh, yeah. When it inevitably comes on HBO... Yeah, I, I think it's good for a Netflix. Yeah, it, it's a good like. Oh, hey, this movie is on. Let's let's watch. It's. I think. Yeah. I think part of it's because the summer. I think for me has had a lot of really good movies that you could see in the theaters, and I'm like, okay, this is one too. But it's like there's, there's, a lot there's of some movies right that like theaters are make sense for these movies. Like I'm happy about that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna say Redbox because I want people to get the actual Blu-ray <laughs> disc. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you know, you pay a dollar like like I was saying, like the dollar theater. You pay a dollar whatever at Redbox, but you get the Blu-ray disc and you get the full scope aspect ratio. Because when it's on, and, yeah, and when because when it's on HBO, it's going to be in one seven eight. 
So uh, that's my that's my revised answer. Is this is this is a Redbox movie? Fair enough. Fun night Redbox movie. Okay. I feel like we should add that to the category, Aaron, make, and make that distinction of like it's a Blu-ray, not just Netflix or or. We should just make more people aware that HBO crops their movies. I think that's a good yeah, thing to point out. Because I, I hate watching Mad Max on HBO when it comes on. It's like, well, I could watch 20 minutes of this, or I can feel better that I'm not betraying how the movie's structured. So betraying. Can... <laughs> uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's move on now. Let's get to feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where I go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Podcast. We asked you guys a number of questions, you gave us answers, then you asked us some questions, and we'll attempt to give you answers. And uh, David and Terrence, feel free to lend in your answers if you have any. Um, we're going to start this one off. Favorite non-superhero comic book movie? Uh, friend of the show and your co-host, David Tyler Smith, writes A History of Violence. Chris yeah. writes Dread. Braun writes Ghost World. Dennis writes Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Philip writes Road to Perdition, and Manish writes Ghost World as well. Those are some solid Those answers. Great picks right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some uh, pretty, I, don't, I don't really have anything to add to that. I'm hard, I mean, History of Violence is a fantastic movie. It uh, is. Yeah, so is Ghost World. So is Ghost World. It just came out on Criterion, speaking of Criterion. Yeah, Road to Perdition is, it, is not that great. That <laughs> Road to Perdition is a great looking movie. Conrad yeah, Hall's cinematography is fantastic. Like I, I agree. It's not like my because I know a lot of people call the road for. There's a lot of and I can like even there's some action stuff where like oh that's why Sam Mendes can do Bond. I get it, but like yeah, the <laughs> movie as a whole, it's fine. There's some good performances. I really like yeah. Jude Law in that movie. That's that's kind of the main thing I always take away from it. Mr. Law, I like Dylan Baker in that movie. Yeah, Dylan Baker's great in almost every movie he's in. Yeah, yeah. Um. Next question we ask everybody, what is your favorite film set during the Cold War? Uh, Tyler writes Dr. Strangelove. George has The Man from Uncle. Justin writes Original Red Dawn. Justin writes Original Red Dawn was always, my, uh, was always a favorite of mine. Chris has The Manchurian Candidate. I don't know if he's talking about the remake. I doubt uh, it since it's not set during the Cold War. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> he just loves Liev Schreiber. Uh, Phil has Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, all in caps. And lastly, Manish has From Russia with Love. That's another, I mean, those last three in Doctor Strange Love are great picks. I'm very on board with that. Yeah, yeah I, I can't argue with, with, with most of those. Uh, maybe a little bit of love for Three Days of the Condor. That's a great That's one. really good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tinker Taylor is pretty cool. I, I really dug that movie. Yeah. Let's see the next one here. Not everyone has a uniform, but many people have a look. What are your favorite action hero costumes in film? Uh, John writes Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Chris writes, might have to agree with Justin John Wick. Justin writes John Wick. Uh, <laughs> Manish writes Poe Dameron's jacket. Hmm. Oh, How about uh, <laughs> uh, John McClane's increasingly dirty uh, tank Quite. top? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I do love that. That's generally the first thing that comes to mind. I do like the basic Mad Max look where it's just kind of like a ratty, like, vest top thing with like an arm thing for his arm like he's got the pants with the leg brace like it's a neat it's like it's an iconic I'm glad you mentioned the leg brace because i was gonna be like and the leg brace is awesome yeah i mean that's important did anyone mention the um bruce lee yellow tracksuit it did not it's a great one certainly it's inspired many other movies i can't tell which ones but you know the black leather of the folks in the matrix uh-huh Except that for Jada Pinkett, who goes red with, like, the weird, like, things on their head. I mean, the, like, the coats. <laughs> coats, yeah. <laughs> uh, next question is, everybody, what is your favorite Charlize Theron, uh, what are your favorite Charlize Theron films? 
Dennis has, I loved Kubo, but heck, I like seeing Charlize on screen too. So reindeer game. Then he writes crying, uh, crying, smiley emoji faces. Uh, But really, he says Fury Road, the Cider House Rules and Monster. John has uh, Charlize Theron's performance in Monster is one of the greatest in film history. Justin has pretty much anything she is. uh, She's in is good. But favorite would be Two Days in the Valley. Joe Jans writes Fury Road, Prometheus, Million Ways to Die in the Old West. Uh, Ifan writes Monster was amazing. Christina Ricci is good in it, too. Chris has Fury Road and Cider House rules. Uh, friend of the show, Amy writes Mad Max Fury Road. And lastly, Manish has Young Adult, a truly master performance. I would agree with Manish that Young Adult is kind of the way that I, I kind of think that Charlie Theron is in real life. Yeah, I was uh, I was going to say Young Adult if no one else did. I'm also going to go to bat for a movie that I love, which is called Snow White and the Huntsman, uh, <laughs> which is amazing. I know you're a fan of that um, one. I was like, I can't yeah. tell if being serious again. Wait, <laughs> do you actually like the movie or do you just love her in it? Both. I like the movie a lot and she's amazing in it. Uh, Did you I, like yeah. The Huntsman? I, you know, I never saw The Huntsman <laughs> Winter's War because I was super excited about it when I heard about it, but then no one liked it. But then I guess no one liked no the one liked the Huntsman. No one liked the Huntsman. So, so maybe, I was... I should, maybe I should watch it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think she was phenomenal in, in Snow White and The Huntsman. Young Adult, I think, is her best performance, though. Yeah. Okay, somebody say top three, Young Adult, Snow White and The Huntsman, Atomic Blonde. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Got the top three down. All right. Yeah. Uh, our next question here is favorite films where the hero was seemingly hopelessly outmatched Chris writes The Raid Justin writes I would say Matrix or The Predator uh, Louis writes Kill Bill and Philip writes Return of the King Mm. I have an answer for this question where people hopelessly outmatched it's 28 weeks later because that opening sequence with Robert Carlyle I haven't seen that one yet Uh. It's, it's so good that's, that, that's a Jeremy Renner one, right? The Jeremy Renner one, yeah. But, yeah. but there's a, the opening sequence of 20... I mean, I like 28 Weeks Later a lot. I like it a yeah. little bit more than 28 Days Later, but I think that the opening sequence is an all-timer. Like, it's so good. It's so, like, so thrilling. And there is certainly a character that is hopelessly outmatched in that film. Mm. I'm going to go with uh, Assault on Precinct 13. Ooh, yeah. Oh, that is a good one. Hopelessly outmatched. I mean, who can say anything except for Laurie Strode? It's a Halloween. <laughs> yeah, I mean... And he's coming. coming back. Yeah, he's, he's and he's walking. He's not even running. He's just walking. Not breaking him. a sweat, unless it's really hot under that mask. Unless, unless, yeah, I was like, we can't really see his face, so yeah, maybe he's just like super sweaty. But then he had no back sweat. Yeah, you said hopelessly outmatched, and my line just, my mind just went straight to Nick Fury saying that in in the Avengers. So <laughs> that is my choice. <laughs> okay, all right. The last question we asked everybody is, uh, what's your favorite obscure, quick, quirky comedy? In honor Manisha of Bruce Bear this week, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Manisha has Giant Mechanical Man with Jenna Fisher and Chris Messina. Uh, Philip has Lars and the Real Girl. Justin has, what about Bob? Uh, friend of the show, Amy writes, A Life Less Ordinary with Ewan McGregor. And lastly, Chris has Holy Motors. Holy Motors, is a, that's a good call. That was a quirky comedy? I, I guess, <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I just like that it's being mentioned. Um, yeah. Obscure, quirky I am, I mean... I don't know, obscure, but I do like the Life Aquatic with Steezy Sue quite a bit. That's my favorite Wes Anderson film. I think that's pretty yeah, that's, obscure. Yeah, like one of his, like, less... Uh, I'm aware that I'm in the minority on liking that film the most. I like, movies. I like all yeah. Wes Anderson movies. I even like, uh, what's the one with uh, Adrian Brody? The Darjeeling um, Limited? Yeah, Darjeeling Limited, yeah. Great soundtrack. Uh, I'd yeah. add in there, um, what's the Time Machine movie with uh, Mark Duplass? Safe Now Guaranteed. Maybe Scotland, PA? Yeah, all right. Me and you and everyone we know is another one that I like mm. a huge fan of. Yeah. I guess that that's pretty obscure, I would say. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's the quirky part of this that's throwing me off because my obscure was going to be don't be a menace in South Central while drinking your juice. <laughs> There's lots of nuance in the Wayne's brothers. That's nice. Yeah. But, you know, I'm going to go with that because I, yeah. That's, that's good. That's I like that one. I like that pick. I like that oh, pick. If we're going with the uh, spoof type movies, uh, they came together is. Uh, oh my God. That's that, a great is, one. that is a really <laughs> funny a movie. One. I laughed a lot in that movie because it hits every trope. The first thing I think of every time is Michael Shannon when you bring up that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Now we get some questions from the audience here. Uh, Manish asks, what other actresses would you want to see in an atomic blonde John Wick type role? Mm. Judy Dench. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rachel Weiss. I was going to say, wasn't she in one with Brad Pitt? But that was not Rachel Weiss. <laughs> I always I always get her and uh, M- Marion Cotillard <laughs> mixed up. Oh, you're thinking of Allied? Oh, right. Allied, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. I'll go. I-, I really like that Judy Dench one. I know you're joking, but... I'd love to see that. You wouldn't see her coming. <laughs> yeah, because she's like 89 years old. <laughs> uh, anything for you, Terrence? Um, I was going to say Angelina Jolie, but she already has salt. Um, let's go Viola Davis. Mm. I like that. I like that pick. I, All right. I want to see her kicking ass and taking names. When they start the Proud Mary cinematic universe, she could be another one. <laughs> then they can combine yeah. them into one movie. No. Uh, the next question that... Uh, Everybody, that Justin asked everybody here on the panel today watch uh, watch Kong this weekend I agree with Aaron that it's pretty fun to watch seems like it would be a good opening movie to a new universe Smart man. do you think that they will explore past or future of what happened to Skull Island or even the 28 years after the fight on the rock so mm. he's asking if they'll explore more of the I mean they are with the whole Godzilla Kong universe like that's what they're doing I don't know but I don't know if they're going to go in the past, though. But I, I don't think they're going to. Not necessarily. I, I don't know. Maybe they will. I don't. But yeah. Young Kong yeah. with Diddy. <laughs> well, there's there were more Kongs before the Skull Crawlers got him. So I, I know killed his parents. I, I imagine. I mean, you have to get Kong from Skull Island to fight Godzilla. So I imagine there's going to be some reference to Skull Island going on in the Adam Wingard directed Kong versus Godzilla movie that's coming out. That's a fun sentence to say. The Adam Wingard directed Kong mm-hmm. versus Godzilla movie. Everyone's going to be uh, cannibalizing each other. I mean, yeah, it's it's a part of a universe. We'll see, that. We'll see yeah. where it goes. Uh, last question, Philip asks, do you ever watch a film in segments? Do you feel that significantly hurts the experience, and what are the positives of it? I do think that it does hurt the experience of it. I if do. you're watching it for the first time. I well, Especially for the first time, yes. I, I don't like watching movies in segments. I like watching the whole thing. I like kind of having the sustained mood that you get from it. I know why it needs to happen sometimes, what have you. Um, positives of it? I'm not sure. Uh, what do you guys think? Is there, are there positives from watching a movie kind of in parts? I watch <laughs> movies in parts almost exclusively when I, when I watch because that's sort of what I've always done. Uh, and I'm sure it does hurt the experience. The positive is I get to see more movies that way because I don't have to wait until I have two hours free. You know, I can watch a movie a half hour at a time uh, uh, and I get, I get to cross more stuff off my list that way. That's the positive. That's the trade-off. I'm sure it does hurt the experience. Uh, uh, I'm not going to be uh, obtuse over here and say that it, yeah. that, it, that it's fine, but uh, I get to see more movies, so that's the positive. Yeah, it kills the momentum for me if I have to keep pausing the movie. Uh, unless, now, if the movie is really, really good, then it's like it can gain that momentum back right away. Um, but yeah, definitely not on a first watch. I try to just be able to... It's also why I don't watch as many movies as I probably could. It's why I don't like watching things on TV, like with commercials and whatnot. And watch those are, those are kind of just like built-in bathroom breaks. 
But I do love sampling, by the way, which is, I think, different from from Philip's question. You know, so I will go boys. back and sample. Yeah, uh, I will go back and sample, <laughs> like, for instance, uh, some action sequences in The Raid or something like that on YouTube. Oh, yeah, See, like, I bought um, I bought Charlie Wilson's War on DVD for the action just so scenes? I can watch. No, <laughs> just so I can watch the first <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman scene when he yells at uh, John Slattery. Uh, whenever I want, because that I think it's that's what, that scene is one of the greatest character introductions in yeah. any movie ever. It, it's a good, he's great in that movie. He's great yeah. in that movie. That movie's really that movie's underrated. I would say. I think there's a lot of good stuff in that one for, for yeah. Aaron Sorkin screenplay. But um, Abe, what you said about sampling at like that's something I don't like to do. Like I don't like I to like watch just yeah, action. I'm, I'm, like I because really I I so want to be like in the like the context of the film. It's like yeah, he's fighting him because of that thing. I say that to myself out loud, but like I, I want, <laughs> I want to like I want to be involved with the character and why they're fighting in some way. Like it's hard for me to even in something like so throwaway like Ong Bak or something like that. I'm like, no, I want to I want to see him climbing the tree yeah. first and doing all this stuff, then throwing his knees at people. <laughs> I I would never sample something I had never seen before, but well, I yeah, definitely yeah, makes, you makes know sense. would sample things. Which is why, like, I avoided all the, like, the atomic bomb was being talked about for the big, like, staircase action sequence. Like, I don't want to see any clips of that. I just want to see that action yeah. sequence. Give me that action. All right. All right. Okay. That was feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's, uh, let's move on now, guys. Let's get to our, let's get, what, what, what time is it, Abe? Aaron, I think we have time here for a very quick game. Little known fact, Aaron was actually a new wave 80s composer, <laughs> and uh, he's got photos <laughs> to prove it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I want to make fake photos just because you said. Yeah, hey, I was like, you should go buy Don Johnson white white blazer and just like go at it. <laughs> I have a game for you guys this week. Okay, it is alternative movie titles, new wave edition. Oh, we so, haven't played this game in a while, but I love yeah. this game. So this, I I got I try to get creative with them. So, so I'm going to read you alternative movie titles for films that exist, um, and all of the titles are going to be new wave songs. And I'm going to read the cast of said movie from like let, from the, like the lower build actors to the top, and you've got to have to, you have to try to guess what movie I'm going for with this title. You have an example for us? No, I'm just gonna go straight into it because okay. I have these time, right. <laughs> have time for examples. All right. But if you think you know it, buzz in with your name, yell Abe, and then the movie. Yeah. Uh, we'll just kind of go from there. You guys. So these are alternative movie titles, though, right? Yeah, they're alter. Yeah, the the titles are either. Either there's a word that's the same as a word in the movie, or they're thematically connected. So like it makes sense. You'll 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 see as we okay. go along. But all right, all right. I'm hoping this. that ready? I'll see as we go along. You guys ready? <laughs> yeah, I guess right. so. Okay, here we go. Here's the first one. Cat people. Method Man. Jason Mitchell. Tiffany Haddish. Keegan Michael Key. Keanu. David. David Keanu. I, <laughs> so how are we doing? Are we shouting the movie out? Or you have to show. Like, you have to show your name out. And David corrected himself, but I'll give him a pass on that one. Yes, it is Keon. <laughs> uh, okay. Cat people. I feel like Cat I was people. Yeah. They're all songs from the Atomic Blonde soundtrack, by the way. That's the. Uh... <laughs> okay. But they're. I mean, they're all. It's a pretty obvious soundtrack. So I mean, it's got, okay. Yeah. Here's the next one. Major Tom. Bill Paxton. Noah Taylor. Fred, Abe. Abe. Paul Thirteen. Incorrect. Oh. Brendan Gleeson, Emily Blunt, Tom. David. Yeah, David. Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. I'm sorry. Right. Live, die, repeat. Live, die. Both <laughs> yeah. would work. Yeah. Yes. Major Tom. Major Tom. Here's I should have known. Here's the next one. Blue Monday. Michael Stuhlbarg. Peter Sarsgaard. 
Bobby Cannavale, Sally Hawkins. Uh, Abe. Abe? Jasmine. Blue Jasmine is the correct answer. That was a sad movie. Here's the next one. I ran so far away. <laughs> M. Emmett Walsh. James Hong. Edward James Olmos. Daryl Hannah. David. David? Blade Runner. Blade Runner is correct. James I, Hong. And, yeah, okay. Right. I ran so far away. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the next one. London Calling. Lenny James. Vinnie Jones. Raid Sherbadaja. David? David? Snatch? Snatch is uh. correct. Wow. London Calling. I was like, who? Like, I was thinking of like <laughs> Vinnie Jones' filmography. <laughs> Here's the next one. This is, for me, this is the most clever one I had, but okay. Under Pressure. Okay. James Gandolfini, Vigo Mortensen, Ricky Schroeder, Matt Craven, Gene Hackman, Denzel Washington. Abe? Abe. Tim, uh, Crimson Tide? Crimson Tide is correct. Ricky Schroeder was in that movie? Everybody's <laughs> in that movie. Every, That's yeah. true. Everybody, Vigo Mortensen was in that it's, movie. It's a Jerry Bruckheimer movie. Everybody's in that <laughs> yeah. Un, Under pressure. I thought it was I good. like that. I like that. Because <laughs> the they're in one. a submarine. The Killing Moon. Benedict Wong. Kevin Spacey. Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Sam Abe? Rockwell. And Sam Rockwell. Abe. Abe? Moon? Moon is correct. Benedict Wong was in that movie? Yes. <laughs> I thought that was funny too. Anyway. That's a good one. <laughs> Killer yeah. Queen. Eddie Marzan. Ray Winstone. Ian McShane. Bob Hoskins. Sam Claflin. Oh, God. Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> David. David? <laughs> Is it Snow White and the Huntsman? It is Snow White and the Huntsman. <laughs> Killer Queen. Sam, Sam Claflin? Oh, He's the prince or whatever, yeah. I don't remember that at all. <sighs> he was part one, you know, one part of the dumbest love triangle. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the next one. Fight the Power. Ooh. Martin Lawrence. John Savage. Richard Edson. Ruby D, Ozzy Davis, John Turturro, Bill Nunn, Dave. I heard Abe. Do the right thing. Do the right thing is the correct answer. Take me a while. Fight the power. I thought you might get that one just from the song choice, but there we are. So. See, I thought you were. <laughs> I thought you were trying to be like clever. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was like direction. I've made ten of these. This is the last one. These aren't all easy. <laughs> <I'm just doing laughs> Here's the last one. Hungry Like the Wolf. James Badge Dale. Joe Anderson. Dallas Roberts. Dermot Mulroney. Terrence? Terrence? Is this The Gray? The Gray is the correct answer. Uh, Dermot just... Mulroney was in The Oh, yeah, I guess he was. Damn, He's uh... the guy with the glasses. Yeah. He gets, like, the saddest death in the movie. Yeah, no, Dallas direction. Roberts. Dallas Roberts right gets the saddest death. There's a lot of sad deaths in that movie. <laughs> There's a lot of sad deaths in that one. Yeah. But Hungry Like the Wolf, The Gray, I thought that That's was pretty a good. good one. <laughs> pretty clever there, sir. <laughs> right. I don't well, know you said Hungry Like the Wolf, and then James Badgedale. I was like, shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, he's such a jerk in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was a good game. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, thank you. I, uh, I was happy doing it. Let me count the score here. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, Abe, Abe, you can, Abe, Terrence, you, you got one on the board, so that's good. Uh, so you're in third place. Abe, you got four, so you're in second place. But mm-hmm. David, with five, you uh, squeaked in the win here. Yes. Kudos, David. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I, I had a bonus question in case there was a tie. What What is the highest domestic box office film for Charlie's Theron? Domestic? Domestic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fate of the Furious? That's second. That's second? Uh-huh. Damn. Hmm. Because that probably made over, like, $500 million. No, domestic. Yeah. <laughs> is it, it's not Hancock. It is Hancock. Oh, it is? God. Hancock made like made that much money? it made like two thirty something here and uh, two like two two thirty seven and Fate of Theories made two thirty five here. Okay, okay, yes. wow. Third is Snow White to make the well, you know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, worldwide, by the way, is Fate of the Theories because it made a billion and a half dollars, so it makes sense. Like <laughs> then it's Hancock and then Prometheus after that. Mm. Yeah, Hancock. I didn't see that coming. I was like, this would be too obvious, but That's I looked it up. I was like, oh, it's Hancock. Either. Okay. All right, um, Terrence, I'm aware you got to get going. I, I do. Yeah. Uh, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, you can find me at lenoirtour.net. That's L-E-N-O-I-R-A-U-T-E-U-R. Also my Twitter handle, uh, where you can find me most of the time when I should not be on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank uh, you, Terrence. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm sure yeah. we'll have you back on in the in the near future. But yeah, until, uh, until then. We'll see you. All right. See you guys. Later. Bye. Hey. All right, that was games. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to Out Now presents What's Out Now. These are movies that are coming on uh, Blu-ray, DVD, what have you. And uh, yeah, we got a few here this week. First up is Going in Style. This is the Zach uh, Braff directed old people yeah. movie with Alan Arkin, did Morgan Freeman. Great things and, about it. <laughs> I think a friend of the show, Scott Mendelson, is like the one person that really supported the movie. <laughs> okay, but yeah, that's out. Uh, Colossal. This is the Anne Hathaway kaiju movie. A fun sentence. And you liked it quite a bit. You, you've been recommending I it. I was a big fan of it, yes. David, did you see Colossal? Yes, I did. And I, I also liked it quite a bit. Big fan. Uh, speaking of kaiju movies, Shin Godzilla comes out this week. This movie, to me, was... I like Godzilla movies. And uh, Anna and I, we saw this last year. It was great. I really you enjoyed even it. Made, you guys even made like a five-second short. We made our own Godzilla movie, yes. Yeah. Inspiration for this movie. But I was a big fan of it. It comes out through Funimation this week, and I am excited to get it. Let's see. The Circle? This... Uh, that's the one with uh, Emma Watson and Tom Hanks. And Tom Hanks from James Ponsel, a director I like, who made a film that apparently nobody liked. I never got to see it. This is part of Tom Hanks um, working his way through all of Dave Eggers' novels. Yeah, it's the Dave Eggers trilogy. <laughs> <he's working laughs> but I liked Hologram for, for, for a King. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty good. Uh, I, did, I didn't see The Circle. Yeah. Uh, next up is Slight. Uh, this is the film about a street magician played by Jacob Lattimore. Um, mm-hmm. it, the film is kind of slight. Based off it, but it, but I like it. I think it's, I think it's a solid watch. Certainly good for rental. Okay. It has Dooley Hill with a gangster role, so that's always worth one. That's always good to watch, unless you're watching Ballers. He's still good here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next up is Phoenix Forgotten, which I feel is a film that got forgotten because it came out for like a week in theaters. Uh, I was gonna be like, what was that? I believe it was a found footage movie. Oh, okay. Now that sounds familiar. Okay. It, it yeah. like kind of came no. out of nowhere and then like got released, made some money, and then went away. Okay. But yeah, I did not see it. We should get those guys on the podcast. Because <laughs> it made no money and we can't really get high profile guys. <laughs> Self burned. We don't we don't have the Pat Healy money like Battleship Retention. So we're... <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, next up is The Lovers. This is a film with uh, Deborah Winger and Tracy Letts that I heard was pretty good. Why does Deborah Winger sound familiar? Because she's a claimed actress. She's a famous actress. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, I, she, I, I would. She, she's admittedly she was bigger, I guess, like eighties, early nineties, I would say, than now as far as she was in like Officer and a Gentleman, and then she wasn't working yes. for a while, okay, and gotcha. Rosanna Arquette made a documentary called Searching for Deborah Winger, which is about how there are fewer roles for women as they get into their thirties uh, and forties, and then Deborah Winger came, I would say, started being in movies again. Uh, like ten years or so ago, she was wasn't she the mom in Rachel getting married? Is that uh, yes, right? yes, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. yeah. No, because I was like, oh yeah, she was in uh, Leap of Faith, which uh, which actually I, I like Leap that movie Faith. quite a bit. Yep. Yeah. Uh, next up is Wakefield, movie with Brian Cranston and Jennifer. Oh, Garner. that's the one where he like hides from his wife. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to see that because it looks interesting, but I didn't get it. I, I don't think it, I think it came and went to theaters. I believe Brandon Peters, friend of the show on Wise the Blue, wrote a review of the Blu-ray. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, next up, HBO shows uh, Big Little Lies and Crashing both come out on Blu-ray this week. Cool. Yeah, let's see. On Shout Fact, Scream Factor this week, Slither, Nathan Gunn's directorial debut, a really solid horror film that I'm quite a solid yeah. horror comedy that I'm quite the fan of. I'm looking forward to getting that out on Kino this week. The Good Son with Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Macaulay Wood. Culkin. Yeah. I thought the that was the peak of both of their powers. That was, Although at the peak of both. Of their <laughs> it was the it was the heat of child actor movies. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Who played the father in that movie? <laughs> I well, but I gotta look that up now because I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> the good son with Elijah Wood and Macaulay Culkin. The father yeah. was played, of course, by that's gonna bug me. Where is it? Uh, David Morse. Oh. Okay. Wendy Crewson was the mother. <laughs> Wait, no, no. David Morris is just one of the people in the. I think it was it was Dan- Daniel Hugh Kelly. That's what I'm seeing. Oh, was the father. Yeah, it's the father. I know David Morris is in, and that that struck a bell. Okay. Yeah. Um, lastly, yeah. SWAT colon Under Siege on Blu-ray this week because you're either SWAT or you're not or you're Under Siege. Apparently, I hope that. Wait, that's... is that a follow-up to? 2000 and I, I believe it is a direct-to-video sequel to SWAT, and I hope it involves okay. Steven Seagal since it has Under Siege in the title. So, but... Are you sure it's not just like a two-pack? <laughs> 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 I am because that SWAT is Sony big. and Under Siege is Warner Brothers, so I'd be very yeah. impressed if they, <laughs> if they put those two together and not Under Siege, Under Siege 2, Dark Territory, a future commentary, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and SWAT is. I mentioned that because SWAT has also been on our list of future commentaries that we wanted to do. I mean, that guy was going to offer to pay a hundred million dollars for his one hundred million dollars. That's a lot of money. That's how that's how Olivier Martinez says that. Yeah, I like SWAT. I like SWAT. I think it's really stupid but I, really fun. But what I, I like about it. what I like about the main bad guy in SWAT is that he doesn't appear to like an hour in the movie, and like his whole thing is he gets caught because like he like he like turns like through traffic without signaling or something like gets pulled over and then just gets arrested because he's like this outstanding criminal and internationally <laughs> it's like the most mundane reason for him to get caught to begin with <laughs> he's just like driving and like lincoln park's playing in his car and he just gets pulled over by a cop for like some random traffic violation and that's it that's like the whole thing that's i like, mean that's how they that's how they usually get the bad guys right and I, I also tend to remember because jeremy renner is like the bad the other bad guy he's bad swat he's the bad swat guy and when Jeremy Ron was yeah. nominated for Best Actor, Colin Farrell, like, everybody came on, like, they had, that was the year where, like, all the actors came on stage to, like, give a speech right. for the actor. And Wait, so they had, like... like Jeremy eight... Renner was nominated for an Academy Award for this movie? No, for Hurt Locker. 
Look, okay, what right. I'm what no, I'm getting like, to. Wait, wait, he shows what, up like two thirds of the way into this movie. What anyway. I'm getting to, he's in the beginning. What I'm getting to is that like all like other actors came out to talk about people on stage at the Oscars that year. Like Adrian Brody came to like talk to Richard Jenkins about being nominated yeah. for the Visitor, and Colin Farrell comes out for Jeremy Renner, and it's like the one time SWAT will ever be mentioned at the Oscars. Like we did SWAT <laughs> together, and it was just a down the line action movie. But Jeremy Renner was always there on the day. Like it was just like he's giving this speech to Jeremy Renner about why he's good for being a best actor nominee. <laughs> Anyway, that's out now. Yeah, that was that was a great tangent. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on. Let's get to extremely cool. These are movies that are now streaming on Netflix or what have you, and I wanted to mention them in some way. Um, nothing crazy new as far as original content this week, but I saw that Cloud Atlas is now coming to Netflix. I believe David, you're a big fan of Cloud Atlas. Huge fan, huge fan. Um, that's a movie that I'll sample. Speaking of the Wachowskis, the Matrix trilogy is now on Netflix as well. But I specifically wrote Reloaded because I believe it's the best one. That's why I say that, it that that's way. The second one. That's the second one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's that's... a lot of very interesting topics in it. As uh, as I've gotten older again, I've revisited them, and the ideas behind, you know, the Architect and the Matrix and Neo. It's like, oh, this is actually pretty neat. And lastly, The Founder, uh, the Michael Keaton film, is now on Netflix. So if you didn't check that one out in theaters, that's uh, Michael Keaton's very good in it. And that's a uh... That's a, that's a good one to look at. Hear that? Okay, so that's extremely cool. Next week's show, next week we'll be talking Detroit, the new Catherine Bigelow film with uh, writer-producer yeah. Mark Bull, uh, their latest collaboration. Um, I'm excited to talk about that one. Um, I'm gonna, <laughs> I already want to like upset Marcus by asking him to be on that podcast. But, um, Let's do it. Marcus Robinson to get on here. Uh, but no, we'll, we'll have some good guests for that one as well. Yeah, we'll have, yeah. Because we always have good guests. <laughs> that's true. And like we got week, yeah. David and Terrence. But um, yeah, that's the plan for next week's show. We'll talk Detroit. Um, last thing we do here, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? David, what should people see in theaters right now? Atomic Blonde? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, I also go see a, a Ghost Story if it's still playing uh, or, or is coming to, to your neck of the woods. Oh, wait, what am I saying? See Girls Trip. Girls Trip is fucking great. Yeah, I've heard um, that. It's really good. It, it's so much fun and see it like that's one on your like scale of when to see a movie see girls trip in the theater on a friday or saturday night when the theater is packed because it's that kind of like fun party comedy movie that absolutely needs to be seen with uh, a bunch of people and, and have a have a great time it's doing quite well at the box office by the way like I, I, it, 31 million this at a, a very small drop this weekend we'll see if it makes it into the top 10 at the rate it's going with the few weeks we have left <laughs> and then what am i seeing next um tomorrow well, i might watch person to person actually now that it's on yeah, uh, yeah. you know you, you mentioned that it's on on uh, amazon but uh tomorrow i am going to see the new uh mark webb movie the only living boy in new york oh, yeah. um mm-hmm. so we'll see how that goes Abe? Cool. Uh, go see Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets and go help that movie out because uh, while it might not be for everybody, it's it's a fun romp. But um, there's a lot of good movies out as well, which we've talked about in the past episodes. And next, uh, seen Detroit. Yeah, the Valerian, Dunkirk, The Big Sick, and Baby Driver are movies that are yeah. just like, these are movies that you can see in a theater and have a great time with because they play great on the big screen. Specifically, Valerian and Dunkirk as far as big screen goes. Dunkirk, again, I mentioned, I saw again, Lathana, that that seventy millimeter, I, like it's just like it, beyond the movie, which I really like in general. Like just the seeing that on such a large scale, I think really just gives you something special. Same with Valerian, because I think there there's so much in Valerian as far as the kind of the visual the visual presentation of that film 
that yeah. I don't think will be completely lost on Blu-ray or whatnot, but for a movie of that kind of size and that could use the help, I would certainly recommend it. And The Big Sick is just a really solid romantic comedy. Solid movie. Yeah. Next up, I am. I was seeing Logan Lucky next, but then I got word that the, the Dark Tower is actually screening. Logan and so Lucky. The Dark Tower is what I'll be seeing next. I'm, uh, I'm excited for you. I will. <laughs> I just want to know if, if everything I think about, about it is correct. Yeah. By the way, I forgot this. Um, I meant to do a Dad's Movie Corner. Thank you, Anna, for reminding Dad's me. Dad's Movie Corner. Dad's Movie Corner. Um, he was with us for Dunkirk yesterday. He really liked Dunkirk. He was a big fan of the movie. He loved it. He had no problem with the structure whatsoever. He really enjoyed how it was going back and forth and what have you. And um, he also saw Baby Driver, and he loved Baby Driver as well. Whoa, Double Dad's Movie Corner? Double Dad's Movie Corner, guys. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. He was in a theater all by himself in the afternoons because nobody was there because it's been out for like six weeks. But still, he had a great time with it. Well, that, that's one of the best ways to watch a movie. <laughs> you know, yeah, for you, since everyone <laughs> like, always there, disturbs yeah, you. There's nobody bothering you with their cell phone or like walking up and down the the aisles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. By the way, uh, whatchamacallit, um... Is your dad a big fan of like World War II movies? Hey, he's he's a big fan of movies. He likes he likes good movies. <laughs> um, I like that. Okay. Well, because because um, yes, he like I mean yeah, he likes World War II movies, but he likes movies in general. But he also he's kind of sick of superhero movies or whatnot. So the summer, like he's more for some of these other picks as opposed to some of the big ones. That said, I told him we watched the Thor trailer together because he loves Thor. He's a huge Thor fan. <laughs> he, he is all about Thor. Like he can't wait for the next Thor movie. Like all the other ones, he doesn't need to see. But Thor, he can't wait for. <laughs> so. He loves that Taika Waititi. Well, it helps that that one, it looks so fun and great, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode about Now, Theron, and Abe. You can find more of my reviews on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. You can find my written movie reviews there, as well as over on wisetheblue.com. You can also find me on Twitter, at Aaron's PS4. Abe? I'm at Instagram, oakleydokley, O-K-L-E-Y-D-O-K-E-L-E-Y. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> yeah, rolls off the tongue. And uh, twitter.com slash walrusmoose, hashtag... Salt and pepper. David Bax, where can people why. find more of your work online? Uh, you can find me at battleshippretension.com. That's where the podcast is. That's where all of the uh, movie reviews that I write uh, are, including my review of Atomic Blonde is up there, uh, as well as this week. You've also got my incredible Jessica James review and my uh, Brigsby Bear review. Um, you can read all three of those this week at battleshippretension.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Pretension. I'll be sure to get those links up on the show notes for this episode, of course, and uh, yeah, with that, uh, you can find all the other episodes about now with Aaron and Abe over on iTunes, as well as on Audioboom. Hear us over at uh, HSWLD, SoundCloud, and Podomatic. Feel free to email us any thoughts you may have had on Atomic Blonde or anything else we discussed uh, today, including our banner contest, which again, Cool prize, Kong School Island, brand new Blu-ray. Email us all that over <laughs> at outnapoggers.gmail.com. With my fake autograph. Uh, <laughs> we'll, sure, we'll sign it, why not? <laughs> yeah, we'll sign, we're going to sign the hell out of that thing. <laughs> yeah. on, on the plastic, and then you can tear off the plastic and then still have a There's a slip cover. We can really yeah, mess up this exactly. Blu-ray. You can also write on our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash outnapodcast, or you can tweet us at twitter.com slash podcast. Feel free to send us plenty of gifts over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. We'll take plenty of Kong roaring at people randomly, because why not? So yeah, with all that, David, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, David. Thank you for having me. This is a blast. Yeah, good. And uh, yeah, thanks again for Terrence Johnson for joining us earlier on. And you go. Of course. Um, thank you, Terrence. But yeah, with all that, uh, that's going to be it for this week's episode. So until we hit the rocky streets of Detroit next week, we'll see how that goes. Until then, so long. And goodbye.
also thought that she was going to eat the whole pie. I was kind of disappointed <laughs> that she didn't eat the whole pie. Because <laughs> she eats about like two thirds of the pie. <laughs> What's well, all the and crust? It, it, yeah, it, I mean, she kind of left the crust. And I was kind of, uh, it, 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 it added to the effect that she had to go and throw it up. But I was like, oh, that would have been awesome if she just downed the whole thing and then they just cut to like a different scene. <laughs> 